You're listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 23 of the Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the of the Tool Station Western League Bulletin. It is Mr. Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing 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 pretty well, thanks. And yourself? I'm not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. I didn't get to a game uh, this weekend. I went to see me me mum and dad down in the uh, the beautiful waterfront city of Portsmouth. Um, where um, yes, we had a lovely, lovely weekend. So that was marvellous, even if it was a little a little chilly. But I am hoping to get out this week to um, to a game. So I will be getting my my Western League fix there. Um, we've got a bumper crop of interviews for you today on the podcast. We're going to kick things off with our fixture secretary. George McCaffrey, given that we've entered the rainy season or even the snowy season, and it's likely to play havoc with our fixtures. I thought it was a good opportunity to get George on and have a chat with him about that. Um, but we'll also be hearing from St. Blasey and from Bristol Telephones as well. Um, now, before we uh, we get into the meat and drink of uh, this week's um, podcast, I will start with that interview I did with George. Um, as I said moments ago, we do obviously talk about the fixtures. We talk also about what the league are doing to sort of manage the fixture disruption. And also we finish with a little bit of a chat about what promotion and relegation is going to look like this season and why that plays an important uh, role in terms of how we manage our fixtures. So so I started my conversation with George by asking him to give us that State of the Nation address on exactly where we are with our fixtures. Happy New Year to one and all, and thank you for the opportunity of coming on, Ian, once again. In the Premier Division now, um, we've played about 55% of our games. Um, we've got clubs who have completed 17 games, some that have completed 21 games out of a total of 34. So we've still got 137 games to get in. And at the moment, that you know, we're on schedule. With the first division, where we've played nearly 60% of the games, but we've still got 190 games to get in. And there we've got clubs who've played 22, 26 games out of 42. So they've got a lot more games to get in. This weekend was a good example that, you know, we lost a few games, but congratulations to the clubs that got the games on. Those games have, are in the process now of being rescheduled, liaising with the clubs and uh, coming up with a, a new date that's suitable. So if we think back over the last few seasons, I think all of us recognise that the weather in January and February can be really difficult. And mm. actually any leeway that some pitches may have will be eroded as we get more rain or more frost. Yeah. From your perspective, when you look back at you know the, the, the seasons that you've been doing this, what's the doomsday scenario? If, I mean, if we do start losing yeah. you know, entire weeks. Yeah. I remember looking just before Christmas at last year's picture compared to this year's, and we had lost um, about 56 games this year, halfway through December. And previous years, it was in the 30s. So, you know, it was a lot. We had lost a lot more games. And as a result of that, referring again to this weekend, we're now scheduling some clubs to the end of February on a midweek, which means we've only got March and April midweeks left, which is only about six or seven midweeks. So if we lose six or seven more games... The potential is then we're going to Tuesday, Thursday slots. 
Are we there? No, we're not there yet. But as you say, the doomsday scenario is very much the potential. And I have to say congratulations. The club will know who they are. When they realised their game was going to be postponed, they looked at alternate venues. Um, they approached uh, GFA, for instance. They have slots at midday and evening, and they were able to provisionally book the evening game. But the away team objected. And so there's no way I can enforce that. We have to go with the three o'clock kickoff unless both teams agree. But the problem with that is that if you don't start taking these alternate options, then that doomsday scenario is going to get a lot closer. So whilst you may not like playing on a Saturday evening at 5.30, do you like playing on a Thursday, having played on a Tuesday and then playing on the Saturday? So, you know, we need to be aware that if clubs are going to this effort of rearranging alternate venues, then we need to be positive about it. One of the big worries over the last couple of seasons has been the management of long distance travel yeah, for yeah. clubs, particularly obviously in our Premier yeah. division. So I guess as the weather worsens and more games are lost, that's got to be top of your mind at the moment. Yeah, very topical because we're there. We already have three teams in the Premier Division that have no more spare Saturdays. I was able to put the fixtures in place where we had four spare Saturdays for postponements uh, as a result of FA Cup, FA Vars runs or uh, the weather. And so we've got three clubs. One of those was postponed at the weekend, which means that the away club will now have to travel to them midweek. And that's I think that's 124 miles. So it's not the longest journey, but it's one of the longer ones. Not ideal, but that's going to happen more and more as I don't have the ability to move local games from a Saturday to get these long distance ones in. Um, we're getting the restrictions are, are piling up. But uh, as I say, it was just that one. The other games were played. Fortunately, we still have three teams in the FA Vars. Mm. Um, and so if they're successful this Saturday, there's another three games that are going to get postponed and have to be moved. Only one of those doesn't have any spare Saturdays. So whoever they're due to play in February will have to go to a midweek. Um, but it's not a, a long distance one. So I'm always monitoring that ahead and letting the clubs know because my role, I do the fixtures, simple as that, but it's not as simple as that. It's, it's talking to the clubs and communicating with them and then telling me that, oh, we've, you know, we've got some big sponsors coming. We've got to be at home that day. We can't afford to move. If I know that, then I can, you know, put that into the equation. But if I don't know it, I may end up moving them to a away game to get a long distance on it. And so it is important that clubs tell me what their concerns are and what their ambitions are. So, and we do that working together the majority of the time, but at the end of the day, there are games like the one I've just mentioned that I've got to move to a midweek, but I'll try. The away team have got a few spare Saturdays at the moment. So what I might do is move it to a midweek where they don't play on the Saturday, just to alleviate the problem. But it doesn't really alleviate the problem of people having to take time off work to get to the away club, you know, on a midweek evening. 
when we think about football f- further up the pyramid, obviously the professional game, but even higher levels of the non-league game, it, it feels to me like sort of the fixture list is, is sacrosanct. But from listening to you, it feels that actually we try to be a bit more proactive with our clubs in order to facilitate not just, like you said, for example, the, exa- uh, the example of the, of the sponsor game or the big game, you know, the big gate, but actually local games, long distance travel, I guess clubs need to recognise we're all in the same boat here, actually. So by doing one club a favour, you might find that you need somebody else to do you one as well. Yes, very much so. I find it surprising at times when um, I speak to a club and they say, oh, I'll speak to the manager. And then it comes out, oh, the manager doesn't want to do that because, and I go, okay, but you are aware that if I don't do this, they're going to, the other team are going to have to do a long distance journey. And what's your manager going to say? when I tell him at the next postponement that he's got to travel 200 miles midweek. Oh, well, yeah, that's the problem. If you start involving everybody in your decision-making, they're not necessarily looking at the big picture. They're just looking at their personal. Whilst I can take that into account, there are times when I actually have to say, sorry, you've got to do this. I mean, the other people in the equation are the fans. Yeah, And of course, there's nothing more frustrating, and we've all done it, um, than sort of travelling, you know, for an hour or so, possibly even longer, turning up at a game and finding out that it's it's been postponed. So what's the process for clubs um, to try and make sure that that doesn't happen? Well, you've already heard me mention communication. That's essential. And one of the big things that we've introduced is the use of technology. And so... What we want the home club doing is one, informing the away club and the match referee of their concerns earlier on in the week. And what they can do is then set up a suitable time on the Thursday or the Friday to do a remote pitch inspection. And they can do that via FaceTime or whatever technology is available between the club and the referee. That can be done. Um, If we're under severe weather warning, as we have been, then as a league, we're allowed to postpone the game on the Friday. And as you saw, not this week, yeah, last weekend, we postponed a couple of games on the Friday because there was no hope of recovering the pitches. So by having that communication, then you've got the match referee there making the decision remotely, but at least he knows. So what we don't have is the match referee turning up without any information and seeing this mud bath with pools of water everywhere or big piles of sand, and he goes, well, that player safety, we can't play on that. So that's not likely to happen. But will it? Yeah. If the communication isn't done, that will only happen, for instance, if the match secretary is away and the club don't have somebody in place to do it. And so I'm aware of that. Um, So it can happen, but we've hopefully alleviated that problem by having this strict protocol and it and it follows up quite well this season we haven't had any situations like that i'm sure that there are people listening to this who are sort of banging their head against the wall saying well surely the obvious solution to all of this is just to carry on the season beyond the end date um but it's not quite as simple as that is it george no because god bless them the fa have now introduced playoffs so the season will finish on the 20th of april i'm sure your listeners are aware that whilst we're in a bad position, there are going to be other leagues. And, you know, I just look at Nottingham at the moment. I should imagine, you know, the leagues up there are struggling to get games on. Whilst we're not 
banging on the door saying, look, we need the season extended. They may be, you know, saying, look, we've got major problems. Um, and we'll have to wait and see. Could the FA move it? Yes, they could move the playoffs. Not our call, and it's a big call to make. But um, at the moment, it's fixed to the 20th of April, and as simple as that. Well, as we've talked about the, um, the playoffs, uh, let's talk about the arrangements for promotion and relegation um, this season, because it's slightly different, again, from what we've been used to in the past. Yes. Um, so ultimately, the Southern League, Southern Division, are going to um, go to 22 clubs. So what we've done is um, we, we've been tasked to hold playoffs in the Premier Division. So our champions will be promoted. And then second place will play fifth, third will play fourth. What does that mean? If you look at today's table, Cleveland would be promoted as champions. Helston would ho host Falmouth. And I think that's probably the fifth time this season if it happened. And then the other one would be uh, Bridgewater would play Buckland. Um, and the dates for those are the Tuesday the 23rd or 20 Wednesday 24th of April. And then the, the second game would be Saturday the 27th. And then if you go into Division 1, the same applies, except um, there is a criteria that the FA say that um, if they meet the promotion criteria. Currently, Bitten can't be promoted due to their decision to resign and re-enter. That was one of the stipulations when they re-entered. And Cribs Reserves can't be promoted. But if we look at the situation currently, you would go Portishead would be promoted as champions. Radstock would host Bitten, but it wouldn't be Bitten because they can't be promoted. So they would host Wincanton. Um, then Cribs would host Brislington. And again, if Cribs aren't given the opportunity to be promoted, then it would bring Bradford into that equation as well. So uh, flexibility, which is likely to go on until almost the last week of the season, I should imagine. Um, but if you just remember, first get promoted, second play fifth, third play fourth, unless they don't meet, and then they can go all the way down to the sixth and seventh place. We can't have promotion without relegation, sadly. Um, what are the arrangements for that this season? Yeah, so the bottom club in the Premier Division will be relegated to Division 1. The bottom three clubs in the First Division are liable for relegation, although that's really dependent upon the availability of clubs who've applied um, for promotion from the feeder leagues. And obviously our feeder leagues are the Gloucester County, Wiltshire, Somerset, Dorset, uh, Devon and Cornwall. So, um, or sorry, Peninsula League, East and West. So they, they feed up into our Premier Division and our First Division. So. A very complicated situation. Obviously, we will know more towards the end of the yeah, season. Yeah. But I think as an overview, I think that gives us a pretty good idea of what we're playing for this season, at least in theory. But I guess the, the, the central message is we've got to get there. And that's about fulfilling these fixtures yeah. and hitting that FA deadline. Yes, very much so. And I'd just like to say thank you to the supporters who go out there week in and week out. But more importantly, the volunteers. 
Um, one of the biggest problems we have by moving these fixtures is that we then get a run. And I've got clubs that have got a run of four or five home games in a month. Well, that's not ideal. And people look, well, don't matter. Well, it does. The volunteers are so critical in the presentation of a game of football at our level of football. You know, the programme editors, the production of the programmes, the, the tea huts, the food, the hospitality, the kit, the, the guy who, or the lady who washes the kit. You know, all of the, the guy has to go out there and line the, the field. All of these people are volunteers. They do a sterling job. And we're very much aware of that, you know, as a league. And we just like to say thank you. We just wish we could say it in a, a more appropriate term. But they, they do a wonderful job to ensure that their players can go out there and play the game. And as always, um, I'd like to thank George um, for his time. Uh, now, we will move into the traditional um, roundup on the podcast, Tom. We're looking at the fixtures that were played on Saturday, the 6th of January. Fortunately, the Premier Division um, fared better than our um, first division. And um, although Welton Rovers may have wished it didn't hmm. because they were on the end of something of a tonking at the hands of Buckland Athletic. They were. They've run into Jared Lewington, unfortunately, who is a man uh, very much in form at the moment. Yeah, he scored a hat-trick on, on Saturday, helping helping Buckland uh, pull off a 5-0 win uh, over Welton. Uh, I think I'd worked it out that he'd scored at least two goals in four of uh, Buckland's previous five. So, yeah, he's um, yeah definitely the man to watch at the moment. Uh, and it took him less than two minutes to break the deadlock on Saturday. So, yeah, he's uh, yeah firing on all cylinders at the moment. Uh, he then scored another on the stroke of half-time uh, to make it 2-0. Uh, and then, yeah, I did, I did another one to yeah, complete his hat-trick. And there was also goals from Tegan Rosenquist uh, and Ryan Bush. Uh, he completed the scoring after around 65 minutes or so. Uh, so Buckland uh, running out pretty pretty comprehensive 5-0 winners at home to Welton. Jared Lewington proving to be the Ethan Theltham of the Tool, mm. station, of the tool station Western League Premier Division. Um, we'll move on to our league leaders, Cleveland Town, of course, who... Uh, famous, as I've said on many occasions on the podcast, for their consistency against new boys, St Blazy, who've um, had an up-and-down season so far. So surely, Tom, surely there could only be one winner here. It did feel like it coming into this. Uh, Clevedon uh, coming in, as I say, had only suffered one defeat before this, uh, but that was, uh, yeah, doubled on the weekend. They've now now suffered two league defeats, and it was St Blazy claiming the 1-0 win. Uh, and it was a goal pretty late on, uh, about 20 minutes uh, from time, uh, that was Reese Carroll. Uh, so he put them one up, uh, and obviously that was great for the Blaze to to be ahead. But things did then go get a bit tough for them. Carroll was sent off uh, pretty pretty shortly after, so gave Clevedon an opportunity to get back into the game, uh, but they couldn't take it. And then themselves had a had a man sent off with about ten minutes or so uh, remaining, and so the the Blaze pulled off a one 0 win. So having not one away from home all season. Of course, they went to the league leaders, as you say, and uh, pulled off the 1-0 the victory. Well, I thought that was a great opportunity to get Andrew Moon, the joint manager at St Blasey, back on the Toolstation Western League podcast to reflect on that incredible win. And I started off by asking Andrew whether when St Blasey were travelling up to Clevedon Town, they honestly thought they could get something out of the game. Yeah, I genuinely believe we could, yeah. Um... We've been trying in them numerous things recently, and we played off at two point the other day, and we lost two 0 But we had all the ball, all the possession. We played really well, 
And I said to the boys afterwards, I said, look, I said, if we had played like a tour point, I said, and lost, I said, I'll be pretty downhearted. I said, we played well. I said, so I can see the fruits are starting to bear. And then obviously Boxing Day, that's, that's, that was a mad old game as well. So we ended up losing that 5 too, And very much in the game with Salt Ash, who obviously had a good reaction after the disappointing loss at Millbrook. So the boys were downbeat. And it's our job to pick them back up. And um, I said to Brad, and we both felt on the way up that we had a positive feeling. And if we stick together, stay in the game, something can happen. And I thought first half at Cleveland, we took the game to them. Not the other way around. We were actually on the front foot without scoring. But we did know, and we spoke about it at half-time, that they're top of the league and they're going to have a spell, a 15, 20-minute spell, where it's back against the wall. And it did come, and it comes straight away. Semo tipped a great shot onto the post. They had a lot of possession, but we rode it out, and then the game was opening up, and I think that was when Reese Carroll scored a, a great volley, which ended up winning the tie. But, mate, what a setup up there. Really nice. they got lovely facilities and that. It's nice. And we're finding that as we're going up through playing a lot of these like North Devon sides and whatever, even just outside Somerset and some great setups. So it's, it's been really enjoyable. I mean, you're rarely involved in a dull game, are you? I mean, there's no, all, no. normally plenty of goals in your game. So to shut out the league leaders, that must have taken yeah. some, not just, a, not just a physical performance on the day, but a mental performance to be that disciplined for the 90 minutes. Yeah, we, uh, we changed shape on the day. So we've been, been toying with the idea for a while as well. And um, we did it and we spoke about the, the gaps needing to be smaller, especially when we're defending and... It just mate, it went really, really well. Do you know what I mean? And take no, take nothing away from Cleveland because they're a good side. But pressure, mate, at the top does weird things, doesn't it? So I think they go to they got Houston next, which is no easy feat in itself. So there's just loads of good games. We play Falmouth, which is a local derby for us at their place, and it is you know they got drums and it, they got a great atmosphere. You know you could be it could be anywhere between four or five hundred people there. Shame it's not on a Saturday because I think you get even more. I mean, so that's the senior cups game. Just reflecting on that game against Clevedon, I mean, you you only lost out narrowly to them earlier this season, didn't you? So I mean, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that Saltash um, match on Boxing Day. I mean, obviously it's an eye-catching scoreline. You can, I think you lost five-two on the day, but it's yeah. It's been it's been a topsy-turvy season for you mm. so far. Yes, mate. It's been some. We've had some tough results. Obviously, we've played Houston and lost one 0 And I think Matt will tell you that we should have got something from the game. We, had, you know, you're talking one on one chances. We had a couple of them before they actually went in front late on, and then we've gone down there and got a stuffing. Um, we've got a lot of youngsters, mate, in this side. And when I mean young, we're, we're talking 18 year olds. You know what I mean, 18, 19 year olds, and a lot of twenties. And I think they got to have a, they got to adjust to it as well because every game it's just it's an intense game and it just goes it's a bit like the championship when I watch Argo it's back and forth back and forth you attack we attack in it you know that's our Ash game it did that um, we've two 0 down we started brightly and they they've gone in front with a faster sack but this is football and the boys are feeling sorry for themselves and before you know the two 0 down and then we've got one back just before half time scored in the second half to take it to 2-2 two, two. and then they've literally scored straight after 3-2 we've hit the bar 
forward to the games out of reach. And then I've said to the boys afterwards, like we can't drop our heads. We've got to keep going. We can't, you know, you can't. You don't want it to get too deep. You know what I mean? There's no need for it to be five two, you know, four two hurt. So we needed a reaction, and we got it off at Cleveland. But yeah. we set the marker now. So you know, we got to kick on. We really need to kick on. We had a really good season last year, and we've come into a tough league, but we're sightseeing this season, I think, for a minute. See, well, see if we can get better. Which is natural, isn't it, really? Because, of course, you know, it's your first yeah. season in um, the Tool Station Western League Premier Division. But the funny thing about the turn of the year is it gives us an opportunity to sort of make New Year's resolutions. And I guess you, mm-hmm. you, you may well have done all the learning you need to do. It, you know, you had a fantastic season, as you said last yeah, getting promotion. So 2023, I'm sure, holds lots of fond memories. But in a way, that that result against Cleveland, what a way to kick off 2024. Yeah, it was needed, mate. It was needed. And the, the group that, you know, they're just the bits of what, you know, the result and that. And we just got to take it into Tuesday night now. Do you know what I mean? That's going to be, that's a big game. And they're a good side, Falmouth. And Westy's done really well down there. Um, but, mate, we obviously, we lost a lot of players from last year that we won the league with. A lot of them didn't want to kick on a lot of them are at the other side of their careers so they couldn't so to build in this league is difficult like yeah. a lot of sides win don't they? they they win the league and then they add to it we've had to build a whole new team mate and we realised that some of these new signings that we had weren't up for it so we had to sign again so it's been tough mate it has been tough and I'm just you know glad to see some of the fruits have started bear because you know to go up there and they're the form team as well in the league. And I think the last time they lost was to Shep them earlier on in the year. So if you're beating them, it gives it gives you confidence then to say you you know anyone on your day, isn't it? And that is what this league's about. Everybody is at least three. They're not even probably going three results because I've been seeing it all year. Yeah. Despite the the challenges that you mentioned there, you you find yourself mid table at the moment, and I you know I think there is a degree of New Year optimism about you in this in this interview. So I mean, realistically speaking, are you looking for the lads to push on now? Are you looking for say a top ten finish? So we said start of the season, we said somewhere between somewhere between eighth and fourteenth. I thought we've come somewhere like that. So anything somewhere in between then. I'm just looking for us to build some momentum, go on a run. Do you know what I mean? And you'd be surprised where it takes you. Because a few wins in this league, you just you go up the leagues and you go up the positions. So, yeah, we, we want to get better. And we will get better. And the guys will, especially the younger lads, will learn so much from this season. And it's, it's such a, you know, when were we played in the league before, the league below, you would have five, six good sides. Now it's like everyone's a decent side. I look at Ilfocrim and they've been in this league a little while, and they're, they're more or less where we are. So they get this sort of like a marge stick of what you know where you are. And Falmouth have kicked on, and they from Absolutely. where from there, Helston, good sides, and they. So the Cornish sides are holding their own for sure. And it's just nice to meet new people and play at decent grounds. Further on, I don't even the travelling. I'm not that fussed by it. Not when you're turning up to good setups and things like that. Um, Saturday, because you've got Oldland Abertonians. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll be pleased to see the back of 2023. They 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 haven't finished. Um, well, they haven't started this season as well as certainly they finished the last one. And that does mean that you do have an opportunity to build upon that um, uh, uh-huh. against Cleveland. But does that bring its own pressure? Yeah, these these are the sides that you know you expect to. Uh, 
you know, you need to go and get a result. We'll be looking to win that game for sure. And we look, we go into every game looking to win the game. Do you know what I mean? That's no, that's no different. And I think obviously with the travel in, you'll probably find that people don't travel as strong as as they should do. This is all part of it, isn't it? But if you get a home draw, you tend to be stronger than the times you're going away. And I think that that plays its part in this league as well. It's bound to mate with finances and just travel and keep getting being able to get away. I mean, is that how you found it this season? Have you found it harder to get players to sort of make those longer trips into Somerset and up towards Bristol than than to be available for your home games? It's like a different era, mate, where, where football was first, no matter what. Now these lads, um, families, they've got other commitments, do you know what I mean? It's like, with the days of where you're not getting in the team four or five weeks in a row, they could get, you know, they could get a message, Facebook, Twitter, something like that, someone headhunting them and, they're gone, but you know what I mean? This is just something we're in now. So we, you got to adjust with it, and that's what we're, we're trying to do. We're trying to go with it and stay positive, mate, because that's, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, oh, we just talked about Oldland Abertonians, um, but then you've got a test at the other end of the table, um, Barnstable Town, and they'll be bringing their yeah. drums, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> they're visiting Blaze Park. So, again, you yeah. know, the opportunity, perhaps, to take another top scalp, that could really set your season on fire, couldn't it? Yeah, we played them earlier on in the year, drew two all with them up there, which was a good result. Um, again, big club, and they, they pay out a lot of money, I think, as well. So they've got some talented lads. They've actually got a few lads from, like, down our sort of way as well. So we know a few of But anything can happen on the day in this in this league. It's just, you need to turn up if you if you turn up with some key players missing or whatever you, you know you'll find it and obviously with the winter there comes the change of the pitch as well so you got to run harder do you know what I mean the pitches are softer you, the show ponies don't have so much effect no more because you've got a graft and, and people forget how much actually gets paid in the winter and my thanks to Andrew for his time uh, now, our next game is another one of those matches that before the weekend, I'm sure everybody would have had a prediction for. I mean, I certainly thought Clevedon would have beaten St. Blasey. And if I'm perfectly honest with you, I would have thought that Falmouth Town, with the form that they're in, um, would have seen off Bridgewater United, Tom. But that wasn't the case, was it? Nope, absolutely. Uh, it was another away win, another uh, tight 1-0 victory. And that was obviously to, to Bridgewater. Big crowd down there, 467 uh, Falmouth on, on Saturday. Uh, and uh, yeah, but it was the away side who, who went home happy. And it was another one of our, our leading marksmen, Jack Thorne. Uh, he was the difference maker for, for Bridgie, uh, scoring pretty early in the second half. And uh, yeah, bringing an end to Falmouth's seven-match winning streak. So uh, yeah, Bridgewater going down there and, and pulling off a 1-0 win. Now then, we'll move on to Shepton Mallet, who enjoyed a six-goal thriller against Torpoint Athletic. Yeah, I mean, this game was great. I mean, I, I was struggling to follow just before half-time because goals were flying in left, right and centre. I mean, Shepton eventually uh, winning by four goals to two, but I think that doesn't really tell half the story, to be honest. It was, yeah, pretty pretty quiet opening 45 minutes uh, before Josh Jenkins had put uh, Mallet 1-0 up after, after around 20 minutes. Or so, but the rest of the first half up until at the time, it seems, uh, was pretty quiet. But then, yeah, uh, all hell broke loose. And the, as I say, uh, goals flying in, uh, left, right and centre. Ryan Smith making it one apiece. Uh, but then Cam Allen uh, going straight back up the other end, beating a couple of defenders before firing home. That put Mallet 2-1 up. Uh, there was another goal pretty shortly after from Callum Gould, making it 3-1. And this is still all in, in added time at the end of the first half. Uh, but there was still time for more. Uh, 
Torpoint then got on the attack, went down the other end. Uh, Dylan Gould, uh, I believe he's related to Callum, uh, hauled down a, a visiting striker and was sent off. Uh, Ryan Richards then took home the resulting penalty. And so we eventually reached halftime and it was three goals to two in Shep de Mallet's favour, but they were obviously down a man, as I say. So, yeah, I don't quite know how all that happened in, in the space of sort of five, six or, or so minutes, maybe a couple more. But, uh, yeah, plenty going on. Uh, but, yeah. Incredibly, uh, losing breath pretty much talking about this one. Uh, incredibly, it was the 10-man mallet who who managed to, to strike next with Alan scoring a second of the afternoon. And it, that did end up being the end of the scoring. Um, and it was tour point, unfortunately, for them falling to a, a third consecutive loss on, on the road. Uh, and mallet running out for two winners. Well, from one six-goal thriller to another. Th- this one, though, was slightly more one-sided affair. Mm-hmm. And um, very much for the away side, Wellington hosting Nowsy and Tickenham. Yeah, and they had to come from behind to do so. Didn't didn't start the best, the Swags. Uh, Sam Towler uh, putting the home side ahead after 11 minutes. Uh, but yeah, from there on, Nelsie were, were the yeah the stronger side. Lucas Vowles heading heading them level. Uh, and then it was a scrambled finish from Ollie Carter uh, putting the away side 2-1 up. Uh, and then it was Luke Osgood uh, scoring twice in the space of three minutes, which really well, pretty much ended the contest, putting uh, putting Nelsie four one up. Uh, and then it was Vowles adding his second uh, on the hour mark to to complete the five one win. And now a message from our sponsor. Whatever the job, with over twenty five thousand products in stock and ready to go, you can click, collect, and conquer at Toolstation. Now we'll take a look into the first division, and only three games beat the weather in the first division. We're going to cover all of them. We'll kick things off at Bristol Telephones. They enjoyed a five goal thriller against Gillingham Town. Yeah, definitely the uh, the game of the day uh, to beat the weather in the first, and it was the the day's early kickoff. And it was uh, Bristol Telephones running out 3-2 winners, but having to to overturn a two-goal uh, deficit to do so. Uh, Josh Haskett helping helping Gillingham uh, go two goals ahead, scoring right at the end of the first half and then uh, pretty much the opening moments of the of the second. Uh, so, yeah, putting putting the away side two goals to the good. Uh, so he'd scored both of their goals. And then it was one man uh, who did all of the, the damage in front of goal for the Bristol Telephones as well. And that was uh, Isaac Flynn. Uh, so, obviously, he, he struck uh, pretty shortly after to make it, uh, well, to get, get the phones within a goal. Uh, he then made it to a piece uh, with about 15 minutes to go. And then, of course, he was the man to, to complete his hat trick uh, in the final couple of minutes. So, it was, as you say, a very... Uh, dramatic afternoon uh, and a pretty epic comeback. So uh, the Bristol Telephones uh, eventually overturning their uh, two-goal deficit to win by three goals to two at home to Gillingham. So I thought it was a good opportunity to get Bristol Telephones back on the podcast um, and I'm delighted to welcome a new name to the podcast, Josh Bruton, who's taken over as manager this season at the phones. And I started off by asking Josh about that game at the weekend and I asked him whether it was as close as the scoreline suggests. Yeah, it was certainly uh, it was certainly a thriller. Um, maybe not as as we'd like to to plan it to be that way, but um, it was it, it was a, it was a tight game. Um, I mean, we we felt especially at halftime we come in one 0 down, but we felt that we probably controlled majority majority of that half, and were probably unlucky to to be one 0 down, and then to go two 0 down just after half time really was a bit was a real real bad blow for us. But again, there was, you know, we weren't really panicking. We, we were in control of the game again, and we always knew that if, if we get one, we could eventually, hopefully, turn the screw and, and go on and win the game. Um, you know, we had plenty of chances throughout the game, and it was just the case of taking those. So, although the scoreline was close, yeah, I, I would say I would like to be a little bit more comfortable going on sort of possession and, and sort of the chances we've had. But credit to, to Gillingham, they, you know, they really 
worked really hard and, and when they got their got their goal in the first half you know second half they started again quickly and really came at us so um yeah they made they made it difficult made it tough but uh it just sort of shows the good sort of run of form run at the minute. The, you know, the lads have got that never say die attitude, and um, and eventually, uh, right at the death, I mean the last kick of the game, it was that it was that tight. But uh, yeah, eventually went on and, and get the result that I think we we deserved really. You have been on a good run of form actually. That sees you move into eighth position in the table. Do you, do you think perhaps you're going under the radar a bit? You know, your season's going rather well. Uh, well, to be honest, I hope so. <laughs> I'd like to stay under the radar as well, if, if I'm honest. Uh, you know, the less people that talk about us and the less people that sort of uh, worry about us or whatever, then that's probably better better for us. Um, but yeah, we, we're in a you know a nice little bit of form at the minute. Um, you know, I think we started the season well. There's obviously a few changes at the club. That, you know, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and and now we're sort of you know back on a little bit of a or an unbeaten run. I think we lost one one out of eight or something like that. So. You know, we're not on a, a bad little run, and, and you know, going back to your question, I'm, I'm sort of I'm happy really that, that we, we're going on the radar. And long may that continue, if I'm honest. I mean, with you in the position that you're in in the table, I mean, are you is that is a top five finish a possibility for you this season? Uh, well, obviously, as a management team, we we speak about sort of goals and, and where we where we want to be. Um, we sort of keep those internal for the minute, but where we think we can be and where we want to be. But as everyone will probably tell you, without being cliched as possible, we 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 really just want to finish as high as, high as possible, as high as, high as mathematically possible. That's where we're aiming for. And sort of at the end of the season, if that takes us into a top five, then then perfect. I think sort of historically for the last few years, um, maybe this club's been more used to looking over its shoulder rather than looking up. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a bit of a nice momentum change to be you know have people asking us this sort of question: Are, are we looking up? Are we looking at the top five? I think it would be. You know, to be honest, I think if we got top ten, I think it'd be, I think the club would probably consider it a, an incredible achievement. But you know, on myself and the rest of the management team, we really, as I'm sure all, all managers do, just want to finish as high as high as possible, and you know, want to keep on the on the good run that we're on, and wherever that lands us is is wherever that lands us. Now, looking at your results, October looked looked like a tricky month for you. What was going on there? Yeah, we 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 had a little bit of a sticky spell, um, you know, like making excuses of the obvious sort of injuries and things like this, and then a bit going on behind the scenes on the club and things. Um, it, it, we just, as as everyone knows, this league's a very competitive and a, and a very tough league, and football is all about confidence as well. Um, sometimes you you get yourself into a little bit of a, a bit of a rut, and things don't go your way and you feel like the world's against you and it only takes one win sort of like what happened with us like I said again going back to a slight change in, in the structure of the way that the, the management team is at this minute in time and then you, you get off to a good start and then confidence high and, and you know we've gone from sort of having a, a real tricky period to now we're in a real positive period and that's just what happens in football that sort of confidence just keeps runs rolling so yeah October was, was tricky but hopefully that sort of sort of behind us and, and we can look up the look up the table and then actually go into games with a bit more confidence and hoping to get right results more than uh, some of the bad ones we've received in that month, I say. One of the interesting things about the First Division this season is that it has got such a high number of Bristol-based teams um, in it. I mean, from your perspective, is that making your job harder in that, you know, you, you've got a lot more I, what, what we what we could call derby matches and also the player pool that you've got to, to choose from? The, the competition for players must be higher than it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously the, the positives for it. 
as well of you know travelling's a, a lot less and you know away games are you know not really you know, that far that's always that's always a, a real bonus but like you said it always seems every other week you can consider a game a, a derby game um, but then everybody loves a derby game and sort of if you can't get yourself up for a derby you're probably in the wrong sport but then yeah you, you, you're correct player pool players have you know a lot of options now there's a find a bit of a merry-go-round can happen and you know and you're all sort of trying to pick from the same players and stuff so yeah that does have its obvious obvious challenges but again everyone's in the same boat and um you just you know you just sort of have to get on with it the squad that we've got here at the minute you know it's a very good and i would say good and competitive squad so um so yeah you know, although there are challenges it's you know one you just you just got to get on with um when you think about the games you've played this season which teams have impressed you the most yeah, there's been some really good. Obviously, played some really good sides. Some the, the people at the top you, you can't ignore. I mean, Porter Z, for example, played play some good football. But I think as well, we played Cribs twice, and uh, we're really, really impressed with with the way they move the ball. Um, they, they they try and play football, and we've gone against them twice. Some really good, really good battles against them. So uh, yeah, I would say that they're probably a side that have, have impressed us. But again, we've had so many tight games, especially recently. It really is. It seems to be not much between a lot of the sides and a lot of teams especially in that middle pack that are all just as just as even and you know and equally balanced as, as each other so um yeah there's a lot of good sides but you know you can't really look too far from the ones at the top and in, in, in yeah in, in cribs as well are a real standout i'd say now you've got longwell green up next um they had a good win at the weekend so that game is going to be competitive yeah yeah again just you know touched on what it was then i mean a lot of games are competitive we've sort of been out and, and seen Longwell Green play a couple of times and again they're, they're a good side they've got the uh, the 3G pitch as well which is you know we, we sort of we're used to coming from Cainton some of us have played them that before or been involved that before but that's a real asset for them as well but again it'd be a really tough game two sides that you know like to like to try and play as well like you mentioned they're off the back of a, of a good result but so are we um, so we should be full of confidence as well so we just hope that we can go there and, and apply ourselves and I know that if we if we're at the levels that we can be, then we'll be a match for, for, for most sides, really. So, yeah, it'll be a tough game, but, you know, one that we, you know, we need to try and take some confidence going into to make sure that we, we really do get the, get the right result. And then it's the league leaders, isn't it? And you've got them at your, um, you've got them at your place. Um, I mean, the old yeah. adage, particularly when I'm speaking to people like Kai Mountford, we say, oh, every game's a cup final. The league leaders have got a target on their back. These are all cliches, but I guess in the, in the build-up to this game, that, that is the way that you're going to be motivating your players, isn't it? This is, Portishead are the best team in the first division. This is their opportunity yep. to go out and see if they can beat the best. Well, exactly. And I think everybody, if they were to look at the fixtures on that day, I don't think anybody would really look past it a Portishead victory. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast when you're at the top of the league and sort of flying. But, you know, from inside the club, we know what we can do. Um, we sort of had them at our place in the cup as well and drew, and drew two all with them and so we know that we've got things that, you know, that can hurt them as well. And it, again, it's a, like you just said, it's a great test for us to see where we are. We've been on a great run, but now, or, you know, especially the last eight games, but let's see how we can sort of get on and first, you know, we won't look past Longwell Green, but then moving on to Porter's Ed, let's really see what we've got to, uh, to, to try and hurt them the best that we can. And it's not a, it's not a free hit, to a point it, it sort of is if that makes sense mm. in the case of no one expects anything so anything we we can get is, is a real bonus so yeah it's, it's a game that we're looking forward to we're not we're not fearing it we're not dreading it we're, we're looking forward to it to, uh, to really have a go against what is what is the league's best 
And um, this is one last question I ask all the managers the first time they come onto the podcast, and this is your first interview with us. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your personal footballing journey to the Bristol Telephones dugout? Yeah, sure. So um really grew up really at Kainchham. I've been at Kainchham fit for 16 years. Finished playing and managed their reserve team for, for a few years. Uh, they were in the Somerset County uh, Division 1, got a promotion. Uh, the same year that uh, John, John Allen and, and Russ were at the first team at Kingstrom and they got promotion to the uh, Western League, uh, Premier League, uh, Premier Division, sorry. So, um, yeah, they, they asked me to come along. I've always been, I've just been part of their team ever since, really. And we've gone on from there to uh, to, to Mangotsfield and now, now to Bristol Telephones and sort of started last year. And then this this season, like I said, we've had a little reshuffle with it, with uh, John sort of stepping back slightly and me taking the, the, the manager role. And uh, yeah, that, that's that's how we've arrived here. It's a you know, it's a really good opportunity for myself. It's my first opportunity at, at Western League level. Um, I've got, like I said, I've got John Russ and, and Rich behind me. They're a great team. They've got all the experience and been there and done it in the division for, for many years at Kingsham and you know, John's done it well. So I've got great great people around me and you know, got a, you know, at, a, at a club which are really supportive I'd say yes it's a good place to start and uh, yeah so far really really enjoying it and let's you know, let's see what happens and my thanks to Josh for his time now we'll move on to Longwell Green Sports this a hastily rearranged game but a credit to all involved to to get a match on Longwell Green um, took on um, Middlesbrough Rovers, a massive crowd of over 300 people saw this, and um, they would have certainly gone home happy if they were supporting Longwell Green. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, there was uh, yeah a little bit of um, uh, fixture uh, amendments going on uh, at the end of last week, obviously following the weather, and uh, yeah, Longwell Green will have uh, been the happier side that that's taken place. A two 0 win. Uh, for them at home to Middlezoy on on Saturday, and it was uh, yeah pinpointed by a, an incredible 40-yard goal from uh, Sonny Pascoe, uh, a bit of a rocket. Uh, so that that helped them to end a, a free-match losing run. So Longwell Green Sports uh, defeating Middlezoy by two goals to nil. And one final game in the first division: High Flying Radstock Town took on Well City on last week's podcast. I um, speculated that this um, this game could tell us a lot about Radstock's season, indeed Wells' season, because I did wonder whether Wells um, might be able um, to cause an upset at Southfields, but that's not how it proved, Tom. No, not 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 in the end. It was yeah, they, they didn't make easy work of it, Radstock. They uh, it did eventually win by two goals to nil, racking up another three points, which is uh, obviously important for them at the moment in their uh, their title push. Uh, and it was goals from Mady Harvey and substitute Kai Williamson. But uh, yeah, Wells definitely. Um, yeah, made, made it tough for them and, and did lose a man during the game as well, Wells. So, uh, yeah, they were up against it a bit. Uh, but the Miners did the business and, and ran out uh, by winners by two goals to nil. Excellent stuff. So we'll take a look at the fixtures coming up uh, at the weekend. That's Saturday the 13th of January. Um, we have got the FA Vars fourth round, and we've still got three teams involved in that, as uh, you'll have heard George McCaffrey mentioned. So, um, good luck to Falmouth Town, and they take on Hartbury College, the only one of our sides who've managed to get a home draw. And um, Bridgewater United, they face uh, the awesome challenge of travelling to Farnham Town, one of the sides very much fancied in this competition. The very, very best of luck to them. They're going to need it, but um, wouldn't it be wonderful if they could cause an an upset and of course Brixham um, 
our FA Vars specialists. They travel to North Greenford United, and I wish them and everybody at the club the very best of luck in that fixture as well. Hopefully we can get at least two sides. Well, I mean, we want at least one, I suppose, but it would be nice to get somebody through um, to the next round of the Vars. So good luck to all of our sides. Um, We have got some games on in the Premier Division, weather permitting. Tom, which game catches your eye? I've gone. I've gone for the top two. Bit of a bit of an easy pick, I reckon, this week. Obviously, a, a couple, couple, a uh, couple games less because of the Vars. So we've got, I think, it's six to choose from. But I think, yeah, it'd be difficult to overlook uh, Clevedon hosting and uh, Helston. Obviously, Clevedon wanting to to rebound from that uh, surprise defeat uh, on Saturday afternoon. And yeah, obviously, no, it won't take much to to get up for a, a battle with uh, the second second place side, Helston. Uh, first time they've met this year. So yeah, it'll be good. Uh, Good, uh, good, good. To see how those two match up against one another. And I'm going for something of a Somerset derby. Um, I'm stretching it a little bit geographically, but bear with me, listeners. Um, street take on Welton Rovers. Welton Rovers are desperately in need of a morale-boosting um, victory, I think. Street have been going well, um, as we know, this season. Welton, hopefully, by facing relatively local opposition, um, they'll be really up for this. Obviously, had a disappointing defeat to Buckland um, that we've covered in this episode of the podcast, but what be great to see a reaction there for Tom Smith and the Green Army. So um, I'm sure there'll be a big gate for that game street against Welton Rovers. Now then, Tom, we'll dip into the first division and what game catches your eye there? Gone for uh, Wincanton versus uh, Brislington, uh, sixth versus fourth, and uh, yeah, drew drew one apiece earlier in the season, but I think this one might have a, a few goals involved in this one, I reckon, and uh, yeah, it'll be um, interesting to see how Wincanton get on, and obviously Brislington uh, suffered a, a pretty surprise defeat in uh, I think that must have been their last last game that uh, yeah on on Boxing Day, so uh, yeah, see how they rebound uh, on their on their travels uh, on Saturday afternoon. Yes, certainly a lot of the managers still talking about sort of Brislington as a side that they expect to go on a you know on a on a winning run and how strong they are. I noticed on um, social media today they announced the signing of Ali Sen, so they're still strengthening their squad. But um, you know, one thing's for sure, Tom, that if they're going to go to Wincanton Town, they're going to have to be at the races. <laughs> they want to get anything out of that one. Yeah. Um, um, I'm going to look a little closer to home for me. Um, Bradford Town they take on Well City. I, I still expect good things of Wells. That I, I know that they're a good side. Perhaps a couple of disappointing um, results recently. Um, they'll have to be good at, at Bradford Town because Bradford have proved um, on the couple of occasions I've been to watch them this season that they are a really difficult team to beat. Their league position would um, would bear that out. So this is going to be an interesting side. Two competitive sides, I'm sure. Two sides who think they can win this game. There will be um, a good crowd at uh, Trowbridge Road for that. So, yeah, my pick is Bradford Town against Wales City. Now, of course, we did the league tables last week. So we're not going to do that again. And um, actually, not a lot of played in the first division, so not a great deal has changed. Even with that defeat, Clevedon still managed to sit atop our Premier Division. So um, uh, we'll probably cover that on next week's podcast, Tom. But anybody who is interested in the league tables, of course, one of the places that they can find them is in your excellent bulletin. And where can the listeners find that? Yeah, absolutely. Updated league tables uh, and fixtures and results, and that comes uh, in the in the bulletin, which is uh, on the uh, the Tool Station League website. Uh, comes out every week, and yeah, that should uh, yeah that that's uh, available on the website, just left hand side, the homepage. Brilliant, Tom. Thank you very much indeed for your time, and I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Tool Station Western League podcast. <laughs>